Episode 133, Google Plus Pages, and we'll talk about the backbone of a website. Welcome to Rookie Designer. In this episode, we'll talk about Google Pages, how to set up a site, shortcuts for PC and Mac, and our app of the week. Hi, Jake. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? Good. So, first of all, I was going to say congratulations on the launch of Rookie Photog. It was a great first episode. I'm pretty sure that um, our listeners already got a chance to listen to that episode. And if you haven't, please visit rookiephotog.com. It's a sister site for Rookie Designer. But this one is aimed for photographers or rookie photographers. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, we're very happy that uh, we were able to launch that in the beginning of February. And I'm looking forward to doing more podcasts with my brother and expanding that. So that'd be cool. Okay, so today we want to talk about Google Plus pages. But I want to let people know that we did talk about Google Plus back in episode 129. We'll have a, a link to, the, to that episode in the show notes. But just to briefly go over what it is again, Google Plus is a competitor to Facebook, basically. It's another social network that's out there for people to, to join and to share information on. But what's been interesting is that in beta, it was a lot of tech and photographers and some other creatives. And when they opened it to the public, it just didn't really seem to gather. It gathered members, but it just didn't seem to have the activity from people other than the original core that was there in the beginning. And it was it was kind of interesting to see that because I think that they're a lot more active because they want to be on the new thing. And and also photographers have really grabbed a hold of Google Plus because they feel that the images are best displayed better and the conversations are better. But it's been really interesting to see how that's happened. That Google Plus is not it doesn't have the same public presence. It's almost like a private club. It, it's kind of interesting how that has happened. Even though their membership is skyrocketed, I think a lot of the general public is still not really sure how to deal with it. And it's funny because P and I actually talk about that in the next episode of um, Rookie Photog that we're trying to figure it out and, and figure out how we can use it better. One of the things is that uh, Picasso is linked to Google+. I think that's a major plus <laughs> for photographers. Uh, it's um, it's definitely something that makes makes it better. Um, easier and better and easier to share pictures if you were a photographer. Yeah, definitely. If you're a designer, it makes it better for you to share portfolio pieces. See, you have to think designer now. <laughs> now, well, one of the things that they have is what they call circles. And I know you're a big user of lists over on Facebook, which is kind of the same idea. But how, how do you use circles? Do you use them the same way? Or? Um, kind of. The thing is that, for example, in Facebook, I have different lists. I have family, I have friends. Um, well, I have close friends because that's a default Facebook list. Um, you have close friends, you have family, you have uh, the rest of your friends. And then, for example, I have different lists for designers, for foodies, for photographers, or people that are very enthusiastic in those um, categories. I try to do the same thing on circles just because I don't want to think more or have more stuff to go through. And the thing is that I can choose just to have some streams showing. 
for example, if I want to read about what's going on in the photography side of things at Google+, I just click on those photography circles so I can have everything from that topic displayed, right? So um, I do like to keep my things organized like that. But anyway, the thing is that the circles here are like lists. So it will help you organize your stream. That's how they call it here in Google Plus. They, the the uh the stream much better. Uh, do you have circles, Jay? Yeah, and I I actually have set my circles up. Or uh, and this will lead us into what we want to talk about with Google Pages. Is I actually have circles that are like photographers, designers, um, tech, Apple. But then I also have circles that are photography pages, designer pages, like their business page and like site pages so that I actually have streams that are the pages and oh. then streams that are the individuals. And that's what we want to actually, we want to talk about pages today and how a designer can actually use a page to help promote their business. Even though Google Plus is still growing and I think it's important to get on there and set up a page so that you have another area that displays information about what you do. To make a like a side side comparison, most of you or if or all of you are very familiar with Facebook and you're also familiar with the Facebook likes. That's the pa Facebook pages, right? So now we have here we have Google Plus pages. So it's the same thing as uh, Facebook pages. The only thing is that here you don't like them. You just add the circles. Okay. Right. You have pages for sites. For businesses, for example, for Rookie Decider, for Rookie Photog, I have a page for the Foodies Kitchen. But uh, we also have pages for our own businesses. I have a Google Plus page for Asterisco. And Jake has a Google Plus page for Prepressology. Yep, that's correct. You are much more active on Prepressology than I am on my own business. But that's another story. <laughs> well, no. Why, why is that? Well, why did you find that that's not somewhere that you're active? Most of my clients are not tech savvy. And, and that, that's, that's something you have to think about. Yes. And the thing is that they're not tech savvy. So I much rather have my effort be on my Facebook page than on my Google Plus page because I actually have growing followers on Facebook. And, and I think that's a perfect example of how Google Plus has opened it up to the public, but the public is just not using interested. it. <laughs> well, I, I would say they're not interested, but maybe, maybe they're not. Who knows? But I think part of it is that they, it's still new. It, it, even though it's been out for close to almost a year, I think, it, it's not as active because people are still trying to figure it out. And that's a perfect example of you don't want to put your resources places that aren't going to be good. You want to focus your energy in areas that are going to hopefully promote your business and bring you, or yeah, bring you more work. So you choose not to spend the time on Facebook, or on sorry, on Google Plus because you know yeah. that your your clients aren't going there, or or your exactly. potential clients aren't there. Eventually, I will get more stuff on Google Plus page. For example, on my Google Plus personal profile. I do have my portfolio and I have some things going on and I, sh I do share some things occasionally and I don't share the same things on both sides. But that's that's going to be down the road on this 
topic. Yeah. So yeah. what we're going to now our next um, topic is the rules about gaining followers. Here the pages are different than profiles. Um, obviously the same as <laughs> as in Facebook, but they do work differently than fa- uh, Google Plus and Facebook. Facebook, you can pages can like other pages, right? Pages can't follow individuals. Now, let's switch to Google+. Plus. Google+, Plus, you don't like. You add to circles. Pages on Google+, Plus can gain followers, and it can actually follow back, which is really cool. But there's a catch. You just can't start adding anyone as a page in Google+, Plus to your contact list. You just don't go, yeah, I'm going to add this and this and this and this and this and this to my following. No. The only way that you can follow back, and this is the key word, back, you can follow back only if they're following you. As a page, you can't follow a person unless they follow you back. Exactly. So you are rookie photog as a page. And I I add, I, I, as Kitty, I add you to my circles. So I'm following, right? Right. You can follow me back. So you can add me to your circles, but only because I already accepted that I'm following you, that I added you. If I don't add you, you can't add me. Right. And, I, and that's to protect the personal profile from basically being added to businesses that they may not necessarily want to be involved with. And, and exactly. that's where some of the streams and stuff can get tricky. But if yes. you're a business, like say I took pre-pressology and I said, okay, I want to follow rookie designer. I can follow that because it's page to page. It's yeah, page it's, to page, there's no rules. Right. As long as it's page to page, you can follow back and forth or you can add the circle back and forth. But if it's page to profile, you have to wait for that profile to actually like your, or sorry, add you to a circle for that page. Exactly. Exactly. So this is where it gets tricky. So the best way is to spread the word about it. Hi, I just created this page for my business or I'm following this page because it gives you a lot of pointers on this and this and this or that, right? Yeah. This is where I think Google is smarter. They are relying on on mouth to mouth. They are relying on mainstream. Because if, if it goes viral, it will work. I think they were, I mean, they were obviously hesitant in the beginning to even add pages. They chose to only have it as profiles. And I think they didn't want businesses to become the focus of Google+. Plus. They wanted it to be the individual to be the focus. And then they eventually opened up the pages. And by protecting the individual still and making it so that the page has to be has to be added to a circle before you add that individual, I think is a way for them to keep businesses from going crazy on Google Plus and becoming the focus. They really didn't want to have that happen. Now, they like the fact that they can gather the information like they do on personal profiles from business pages, but they they seem really hesitant about making sure it didn't become the focus of Google Plus. Exactly. So... I think that the best way to spread the word about your page is to talk about it. Absolutely. Talk about it on Twitter. Talk about it on Google+. Now, here is my question. Is it wrong to mention your Google 
Plus page on Facebook and your Facebook page on Google Plus. I personally don't think so, because I think what you'll find is not everybody follows you on all of them. Like I know I have people that that have me in their circles. Yeah. But maybe they don't have they haven't liked my business or liked me or friended me on Facebook. So when I share information on Facebook, they may not see it, or the other way around, which is probably the the more prominent thing to happen is that I'll share something on Facebook, and I've got a, a larger group of friends and a larger following for my business and for rookie and designer and rookie photog on Facebook. So if I share something there and I don't share the same thing on Google+, I feel like I'm losing the opportunity to gain more people on Google Plus if I don't share the same information. But with that said, I think it's important also to sometimes share something that is Google Plus only or Facebook only, because I think that kind of shows that you're paying attention and you're just not copying and pasting and spamming, basically, that you're actually taking the time and say, you know what, on Google Plus, I'm going to share this exclusively and kind of make those people feel like they're getting something different than the people on Facebook. So I could see where it, it's beneficial both ways, but I think it's important not to just sit down and say, okay, I'm going to open up all of my social networks and I'm just going to write the same thing in every single one every time you do it. I have to say I'm a little bit of guilty of doing that, but for example, for foodies, if I want to say there's a new post, I don't have automatically posting to everywhere just because I want to control what picture is brought up on preview on both Facebook and Google Plus. So what I do is first I write tweet, which is the very, very extremely short version of what the post is and the link and some catchy phrase (laughs) for that. Um, Then I do Facebook, which I can extend it more, add a picture and the link. And I try to keep the same on Facebook and Google Plus. However, we get different questions um, directed to like to the site, right? Right. Uh, from both Google Plus and Facebook uh, Facebook pages, but Facebook the Facebook page is much more active than the Google Plus one. Google Plus it's starting to catch up faster. I don't post that many things on Google Plus, but what I'm starting to do is this: like start to to use Twitter as the link between the two of them, so. The, I'm like announcing on Twitter both pages <laughs> because I, I actually feel bad about mentioning my Google Plus page on Facebook and then my Facebook page on Google Plus. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's almost like this. Yeah, you, you, you kind of feel guilty. It, it's like going into McDonald's with a Burger King hamburger and sitting down and eating. I mean, it, it just seems weird. Yeah, so I'm using Twitter as the glue between the two of them. It's a good way of putting it. <laughs> Yeah, so Twitter's a glue. Sometimes I do post the same on all social networks, but it's only when it's a new post. Yeah, and that, that makes sense. And I, I've seen some interesting things done by designers and photographers where they'll share a project exclusively to Google+. And, yeah. and one, especially photographers seem to do that. They, they say, okay, I'm going to post a new image that I just captured, and I'm only going to put it on Google+. And, I, yeah. and I've seen some of them go as far as to say on Facebook, hey, if you want to see today's image, go over to Google+. 
they don't show the image. They just say, hey, join me over here. And, and a lot of that is some of those people had made a choice to leave Facebook and, and be exclusive on Google+. So they're driving their traffic to Google+. So there is some, I don't know, it's not really moral dilemma there, but it's kind of, like you said, it, it kind of gets a little uncomfortable because you're you're saying to your Facebook people, well, you know what, that you're on that social network and it doesn't mean as much to me. So I think it's important to respect both networks. And I think it's, it's good what you said to do posts on both because you do want to share it with everybody. But I think it's cool when people put exclusive things on each of the networks. Yeah, and I think it's important, but at the same time, you just don't want to be stealing people from one place to the other. Um, I do believe that there's enough market for both net, for the, for both social networks and that may, that, like you said, it's not going to, uh, have the same followers on both sides. It's, I know that there's not, we don't have the same followers on Twitter and Facebook because people just get bored of reading the same thing over and over again, especially new posts and you see new posts on Facebook, new posts on Twitter, new posts on Google Plus, and then new posts from the people that post it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's not helping. So what I do is I just let things go their own way, just eventually like, evolve as naturally as they should. But yeah, I do share, but I do share at different times a day. Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. Well, yeah, I think that's important, too. You don't want to, to be honest with you guys, we schedule posts on Rookie Designer and Rookie Photog that sometimes we'll sit down and, and write a post or, or I'll set up the podcast post to go out at a certain time the next day. I don't set up my my tweets to go out at exactly the same time, and I don't set up a Facebook message to go out at the same time because, honestly, that's a waste of your your marketing capability. It's like if you send everything out at the same time, people that might miss it on Facebook might see it later on Twitter. Or if you send it out in the morning on Facebook, at lunchtime on Twitter, and then at dinner time on Google+, the chances of catching somebody sitting at their computer at one of those points is much higher. So I, th- I think that's a smart move for, for a marketing thing, for a designer to think about that. So yeah, I think that designers can actually gain from having their portfolio showed on both sites. The networks are geared for different people. So if you're a designer and you want to do a Google page, Google Plus page for your design business or your upcoming design business or your design site, if you're just starting, go ahead. I just think that the more that you get your work in front of people, the better. That will help you get land more jobs, land more opportunities. So yeah, go go ahead. Um, I think that that pretty much wraps our Google Plus talk. Now we're going to our second topic, and it's something extremely, really important that you set up a good foundation, and this is how to start up your site. It, I'm not talking about, first you have to buy your domain, then you have to buy your hosting. No, I'm talking about the backbone of the site. I mean, first of all, what's the purpose of your site? Do you want to be a portfolio or do you want to be a blog? Do you want to have a much more serious side to it as a business? Then, what's your site tree? That is the first thing that I try to sit down with my clients to work when I'm working on, when we're trying to develop a site for them. Why? 
and gives you an idea how much time you will be working with them. First of all, let me interrupt you for you a need second. To, it, yeah, it, basically to what you just said, and I, and I want to put this out for people to think about that this isn't just you as a designer and your site. Like you said, this is also to think about when you're sitting down with a client to work on their site. The, it basically the steps are pretty much parallel to each other because you want your site to look good and you want their site to look good. Exactly, and it's not. And, and one of the things is it's not to just look good, but actually be functional. That's why the most important thing for me is to figure out what's the purpose of the site. When I sat down with you, Jake, to figure out what what did you want from for your site for prepresology, we said, okay, yes, I want to be able to showcase my to showcase my portfolio, but I want to be able to post some things here and there because these posts actually help my clients. And I'm like, okay. So I started to work around that to actually make a site that, I, to, that, that was going to be functional for you. Right? Right. And the easiest way that, that we both find is to make a Excel spreadsheet. So on the first column, you have like the main pages. The second column, you have like the child pages of those main pages. <laughs> and then so for, for, uh, and then you you go from there. So the thing is that you first you have to say okay if for example me as Kitty I want to create a blog and the purpose of this is not to have my portfolio but a blog. Okay, so I need a home page and that page is going to display the latest four posts, the recent ones. Okay, then I want to have a page of who I am, obviously about us. Then a contact me page, links to my Facebook, Twitter, and all my social networks. Then I realized that I was getting a lot of people asking me about which podcast I'd listen. So I started listening. A lot of the podcasts, some of, some of them are still on the air, some of them are not. But the thing is that that's a page that I actually put on later. So now I have my site tray, I have my home page with the posts, I have the about me, contact me, and the podcast list. Now I think I want to add two more pages. One for my graphic design portfolio, and then the sixth one is going to be my photography portfolio. This brings me to my next point. I wanted to, instead of displaying my entire portfolio there, I wanted to add some social media integration, so I pointed the reader to my Flickr account, where they can see my entire portfolio. Does that make sense, Jake? Yeah, and I think that's important. I mean, just like we were talking about earlier in the show about the importance of Facebook and Google Plus for designers. I mean, it's important for almost all businesses to have those links back to that information because that's where people are spending a lot of their time is on those social media sites. So you want to have a way to connect with them there as well. But the other thing with the integration is that you can share the information there. So if you post something to your Twitter account, you can actually have it integrated into your site so that it shows what that post was. And I've done that for several clients because that way they don't have to share the same information back on their site and the blog. They can just share it on Twitter and it's automatically shared on their site. So that integration makes it a lot easier for them to, to get information posted one place but displayed several places. Exactly. And for the social media integration, we want to see which, if, for example, if you're working as a freelancer, you want to 
you want to make a choice of which social networks you want to be um, active in, right? And which ones you want to have showcase on your site. But if you're working with a client, you need to see what social network they actually need to use. Not everybody needs a Facebook page. Not everybody needs a Twitter page. So you need to be, you, you need to figure out what social media channels they're going to be actually using slash needing so you can actually integrate them to the site. Right. So now we move to the next topic, which is what are you going to be posting? Because that's important because when you're pretty much starting up the site because you want to see, yes, this is going to be a mainly graphic and image site. Or this is going to be just a text site. This is going to be a text-driven site. No graphics at all. Or I want a little bit of both. Leaning towards content other than graphics. Yeah, I mean, it it is important to to take that next step. You've got your site tree. You're saying, okay, what information are we going to feed in from social media? And now you want to sit down and say, okay, what content are you are you going to write or is your client going to write or or what images are they going to supply or and how how is that all going to tie together and, and where are you going to put that on the site and stuff like that. I mean, it's important to gather all that information before you really start to lay out that site so that you know how big they want a picture or how important is that that picture or how important is that paragraph about who they are. It doesn't need to be a prominent area on the site as, as people talk about above the fold is it stuff that needs to be towards the top of the site so it's it's important to know what that information content text graphics is going to be so that you know where you can put that stuff yes. on the site and the other thing is that if you are going to have some content given to you by your client you need to sit with them and say okay because we have this site tree you need to create content for this like four main pages and the three child pages from one of them. So you need to ha- to sit down and create that content. That can be um what I don't know mission of the company, the vision they have of the company, or the objectives, who they are, where they are, if they have a lot of locations. So all that content you need to start sitting down and developing either yourself if it's for you or tell your client to do that for you. Um, there comes the, the, the part of the images. Do you do you create the pictures? Meaning you take you go there and take the pictures or they give them to you. And, and sometimes you'll find like if you work with a a chain company or, or someone who's got some type of corporate affiliation, you, you may need to find out where you can get that marketing material like where you can get the company images where you can get some of the company specs on their products. Specifically, if you're doing like a retail site, you want to get those product shots. And and the other thing is like something else we're going to talk about is fonts. Some of those corporate type sites may have branding guides that you need to think about when you're working with them. So they may have specific fonts that they need to use. But on, on a smaller business level, you may want to talk to them about purchasing fonts that make it look more pleasing, make the website interesting, make it stand out from their competitors. So that's another area as well as images, whether you're going to buy them or get them from a stock or create them yourself. You also want to think about fonts for the site if you're going to 
use the free ones or you're going to use standard fonts or are you going to use something a little bit more creative that you might have to purchase? When you buy stock, you can buy pictures, you can buy vectors, you can buy fonts. For example, for pictures, it's it's much faster just to buy stock pic- stock photography from, um, just to name a few sites, iStockPhoto, um, Veer, Getty Images, and places uh, such as we're going to meant to give you a list of um the, the Shutterstock. That's the other one that I was trying to think of. Uh, we're going to leave them uh leave, leave links on the uh, show notes, but it's much easier for you to buy some pictures rel- relatively cheap and just the size you need, rather than go and take the picture. Maybe not have a, a that good of a quality picture as you could find online. Make sure you keep track of how much you're spending. Um, obviously with the okay of the client and make sure to add them to your invoice. And then the fonts, you can also, like Jake said, buy some fonts on different sites for uh, the logos and uh, imagery, but also web fonts to have your site displayed as uh, with, with with this fonts. Um, have it, do you have you worked with web fonts, Jake? I actually haven't done that yet. I, I've been, I guess, fortunate enough that my clients haven't really gotten into doing anything real creative with fonts, so I haven't really gotten into that yet. But I just did this week, and I have to say that it's it's a little bit tricky. But it pretty much you call up the font on the CSS, and then you call it up on your style, right, on your header or on your footer or whatever. I think that'd be that's something we should definitely cover in a another episode is how how to how you use web fonts why they're why they're becoming more popular and what what benefits there are for using that I think that'd be a great show topic but yeah, like pretty much what you need to do is figure out what you need to do with the site what uh i mean the purpose of the site what is the site going to be about and the tr- the uh the, how is it going to be organized in the tree how you want the social media playing into the site and out from the site, what content it's going to be created constantly or it's going to be a static, and what kind of pictures slash fonts you'll be needing. This is pretty much like the backbone of your site. Then you can start, then is when you can actually start thinking about how it's going to look. Yeah, I mean, these are definitely the things you need to think about when you're first sitting down and going to do a web project, whether it's for yourself, your business, or for somebody else's business. These are these are the key things you need to think about. Exactly. So if you have any questions, don't hesitate to send them over. So let's go on to our shortcuts for this show. Um, we're gonna this shortcut's actually gonna be related to the one that we had in episode one thirty two, which was our last show. And instead of zooming in and out this time we're actually going to do how, how do you use your keyboard and your mouse to scroll left and right? So how do you do that on a Mac? Um, it's command and scroll left and right. So it's obviously you can't scroll left and right on your mouse. So you do command and then go in or out. Jake, what's in, what's uh, the shortcut on PC? For the PC, it's pretty much the same thing. It's just control instead of command. And you're going to hold down control and you basically scroll your wheel back and forth to either go left or right. Yeah. So it's it this is a 
nice shortcut if you don't want to move your mouse all the way to whatever you want to move it. <laughs> so now we're moving to our app of the week. This can be a Mac, PC, or iPhone app. Jake, do you want to go first? Sure. The, the one that I have is actually, it's pretty much on all of them. It can be used on the iPhone, Android, on PC or Mac. And what, I, what I'm talking about is Wonderlist. And the reason I chose this is I've been trying to find a simple to-do list. I mean, there are some crazy applications out there for to-do lists. And I just wanted something that was easy to make a list, easy to update, and very simple to organize. And that's what I like about this. Now, there, the, what I have is I have the iPhone app and that I also have the desktop app for my PC. And what I like is that it syncs between the two. And it's very simple. It's just basically type in what you want to do. You can sort it by basically categories. And what I have set up is I actually have it set up so that I have my clients. Each one of them is a separate list. So like I, I have one for my own business, Prepressology. And then if I click on that, I can actually put tasks just in that list. And then I have them for each one of my clients as well. And then I have one for Rookie Designer, one for Rookie Photog. And it allows me to quickly go through and add it to the one that I need to add it to. And then you can also click on today and it, it will show you what list it's in and what order they're, they're in. And you can easily click and drag to change the order of the list or of, of the task within the list, which is nice. The other thing is you can star certain tasks so that they go to the top automatically. Uh, let's see what else can you do. There, there's a giant red button that tells you when things are overdue. And right now I have a bunch of them. So I'll need to work on that later. But it also has today, it has tomorrow as options to show. And then it has next seven days. And then there, you can also set it up so that you can have tasks that are without dates. The really cool thing is on the desktop, application, you can actually type in your task and then you can use shortcuts to automatically flag it to go to today's list, to go to tomorrow, three days out, one month out. It, it, there's all different types of combinations of, of shortcuts that you can use so that you can quickly add it to a date, which I really like. Um, doesn't I haven't found that it works on the, the actual iPhone app, and I don't think it does. I think it's only for the desktop application. The other thing that's nice is say you're away, you're at a friend's house and you say, hey, you know what? I don't have my phone with the list or, or I, I don't think it's updated, but I want to check it out. It's also available on their website as well. So you can actually access your account through the internet as well, which is really nice. So I, I just find that it's, it's much simpler and, and it may be too simple for some people. But I wanted something that was going to be very easy to update and very easy to organize. And the problem with a lot of the ones that I was using before is that they just were, there were too many things I could do with it. And it became overwhelming and I stopped using them. I find Wonderlist to be an excellent software and I like the fact that it's available anywhere I need it. So that's Wonderlist. So what's your app for the show? Um, I'm sticking with Twitter. So, um, last week I did Twitterific for the, uh, app for the desktop app and now I'm going to do Tweetbot for the phone and for this I have to thank Dan uh, 
Rodney from Dad Rodney Tweets, <laughs> uh, to for showing me this application when we were uh, at PapCon in what was it May? May of last year, yeah. Yes, May of last year. So um, he showed me the application, and I absolutely fell in love at uh, at that moment. Um, it's then I was like, no, I'm fine using what I'm using, and I'm fine using just the Twitter app. And then Twitter changed the application on me and I started to hate it. So <laughs> I got Tweetbot and I have to say Tweetbot, it's really cool. It's a multi-account app. Um, you have a lot of shortcuts. You have, it, it's really nice. I love it. For example, if you want to see the replies that somebody got from their tweet, you just slide the, uh, that tweet to the right and then you get all the replies that they got or no replies found, like the one that I got <laughs> right now. But uh, but then you have, with one, if, if you just tap on the tweet, you get automatically a window that says that you have buttons for reply, retweet, favorite tools, which shows you copy tweet, email tweet, or translate, and an I, which means uh, <laughs> see the picture. The only thing that I don't like is that you ca- you can't read landscape but it kind of makes sense because you get to read more like on the original vertical alignment than horizontally i don't know it makes sense but the thing is that i have different accounts and settings for example you have uh you can do like a triple tap shortcut for example i have triple tap to reply it imports your ios accounts awesome Best thing, you have sleep options. So, for example, between 10 at night and 7 in the morning, I don't get any notifications. Sometimes they will they will wake me up. And then you also have here a quote format. You can do a standard quote or retweet with comment or have the tweet and say via at user. So the thing is that there's a lot of things here that are very useful. I like how it, it's... I have a, an iPhone 4 and it's not that slow. Sometimes it kind of gets slow, but I think it's part of the network, not like the 3G network, not the app itself. I think that on an iPhone 4S, it will be crazy fast. But other than that, oh, and we just got a, uh, this is really nice. We just got a reply on Twitter from one of our listeners, and that's Daniel Rossi, and it says, Loving the latest episode, Creative Energies and the Gym. I work out at 2 in the afternoon to keep me in that energy boost when the levels drop. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's awesome. We could actually put that in the show. So, so you guys know, we are reading the tweets. We are we, we love hearing from you guys. So definitely keep those things coming. Yeah, and th- this tweet came from Daniel Rossi. He's a friend of mine from Canada, and he also ha- and he has also a, uh, a podcast that's called... Um, Ay, what's his... Stuttering is cool. <laughs> it's a podcast geared to uh, to stutters, and it's really, really nice. I've been there a couple of times already talking to Danny. So it's it's fun. Yeah, we'll uh, put that information in the uh, sh- show notes for sure. But yeah, like, can you see? And I got this because I was looking at Tweetbot talking at the show, so it's really cool. But, um... 
other than that, um, like I said, you have your timeline, you have, you, you have access to your lists, you have access to save searches that are all, that are already saved on Twitter. So yeah, that, that, that's my app of the week, Tweetbot. Give it a try. I'm sure you're, you're gonna like it. Alright, well, I think that's gonna bring our show to a close. Thanks for listening. And also remember, if you want to get in touch with us, you can at info at rookiedesigner.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Rookie Designer. Find us on Twitter at Rookie Designer. Find us on Google Plus at Rookie Designer. And also, do us a favor and please go to iTunes and rate us. We'd really appreciate if you could do that for us. It'll help a lot. Oh, and really important, we got back on iTunes! Woohoo! Yes, we did. After a lot of headaches, Kitty finally managed to straighten all the stuff out and get us back on iTunes. So we'll... We're available to subscribe through iTunes, so please rate us because it took us a while to get back there. <laughs> Just happy that we're back on iTunes, and you can you can also fa- find Rookie Photog on iTunes. So uh, go ahead, check both si- both podcasts, and let us know what you think. Everyone's a rookie before they're an all star.